Amen. All right. Appreciate that this morning. A great deal. If you will, go with us to Proverbs chapter number 29. Proverbs chapter number 29. And you pray for us, if you will, this morning. We'll try to give you what we feel like the Lord has directed our hearts towards. Uh, just to be honest with you, I uh, haven't studied in this direction uh, since Wednesday night. Really thought I'd be preaching a different message this morning. Uh, that I feel like the Lord give us, uh, and I feel like we will preach it. I believe the Lord give us the message to preach. Uh, you have to be careful not to uh, assign a message to a group of people. And uh, you have to be careful uh, to get along with God and ask the Lord what the Lord would have you to preach and then go that direction. So the Lord laid a message on her heart. Uh, back earlier in the week and studied that uh, thought and the Lord really didn't move us in this direction till earlier today and I struggled all morning with what the Lord would have us to do but feel confident that this is what the Lord would have us to do. Alright, so you pray for us and we'll try to give you the thought the Lord's placed on our heart. I want to read one verse of scripture. Stand with us if you will for the reading of reverence word of God. Proverbs chapter number 29 and verse number 11. Proverbs chapter number 29 and verse number 11 this morning. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 29 and verse number 11, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, help us now we do ask. If we do anything this morning, Lord, good, it will be because you've done it. And we ask you to help us now. We're just trusting you and leaning upon you as we have, Lord, for ever service, Lord, in our past. Lord, we are very mindful and we understand what it is most definitely to stand and preach uh, and not have your touch upon our life. That is something we do not endeavor to do ever again, nor do we enjoy how that turned out. But we ask God that you'd help us now and we trust that you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. We dealt uh, last Wednesday night. The Lord kind of took us in a different direction. Uh, we had been going and had been studying through our statement of faith uh, on Wednesday nights. And we had got down to that portion in the last days and been kind of preaching through the last days a little bit as the Lord uh, would help us to do so. And uh, last, I believe it was last Wednesday night, the Lord kind of changed our thought and we went to that verse of scripture in 2 Timothy talking about perilous times, that perilous times would come. And we've seen some things in that that uh, would help us to understand that we are in those times, those perilous times being dangerous times. We're in those dangerous times today. For perilous doesn't mean dangerous. And when you look at all the things that's happening that uh, we see today that help us know we're in these last days of the last days, we understand that we are indeed in dangerous times, but I, I want us to understand there's danger on every hand. There's not only danger in a world, in the lost and dying world, there's dangerous things happening in the church. Dangerous things being the, the church, the, the likelihood of the church today compromising and liberalism as it stands. And we've just by expositional preaching, and, and if you'll bear with us, we're probably going to deal with scripture this morning on more of a uh, expositional level, just running line on line like we have been doing on Sunday night. I don't apologize for that. It'll probably be a little more of an educational type message this morning, but we need the education of the Word of God, and uh, it's good for us, and all Scripture's given the inspiration of God and is profitable, 
And uh, so understanding the, as things have kind of gone, reading and preaching through Second uh, Corinthians and some, uh, we was in chapter number six, I believe, and then we wound up in chapter number uh, twelve, and we were looking at the seriousness of not black eyeing the ministry or hurting the the testimony of the church or uh, calling into question with the lost and dying world that of the Lord Jesus Christ and His intentions by the way that we live our life. And we got on separation, and we began to deal with separation, and and we understand separation is a biblical concept in the Word of God. And the Bible teaches, and we find it not only in example of of Old Testament Scripture and how Israel was to separate themselves, but we look into New Testament and we see this new nation being the church, understanding that we have, that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we're to be peculiar people, set apart. We are to be different, and we're to look different, and act different, and walk different, and talk different. And to be frank with you, to be in a lost and dying world and to stand out is different. And uh, we we find that a lot of people don't like to do that. We like for people like to try to look like everybody else, but it's all right to be different. Uh, but also understanding, we also dealt Wednesday night with self righteousness, and uh, we talked a little bit about how we have to be careful not to get the mindset that we have arrived, if you will. Now, you're going to find that what causes a born-again believer to think that they have arrived is that we have a tendency to look at the lives of others, and instead of comparing the lives of others to the Scripture, we use ourselves as a standard. Now, we'll preach and we'll teach that the Bible teaches us not to compare ourselves among ourselves or by ourselves. The Bible says it is not wise to do that because this Bible is, is, is our final authority for all things faith and practice and we are to designate and design or, or to, to live our life by the scripture. And so we want to try to take the Bible and say this is how I am supposed to live. But then we look at someone else and we say, oh, they are not living like I am living. And because they are not living like I am living, they are not right with God. So we are shaping our life based upon scripture, but we're judging others based upon our life. That is totally skewed. The Bible does not, does not skirt this matter of judgment. Paul talked about how we were going to have to judge inside of the church. The church is going to have to look at some things that sin cannot be left undone and and swept under the rug and for the church to be puffed up and to continue on while there's matters of sin uh, in the church that need to be handled. Paul was very staunch in his teaching and preaching that sin must be dealt with. It must not be compromised on. It must not be swept under the rug as if all things are okay when it's not okay. But he also understands that we have to pull back and realize that we are not judging the church. We are not judging things in the church by our life, but by the scripture. Now, a lot of times we were talking about how we get hasty sometimes in uh, dealing with someone that's doing something that we think they should not be doing. And most of the time when we make that reaction, we make that reaction based on how we would do something. Well, they're doing something that I wouldn't do, and so we're going to correct it. And to be honest with you, we should correct things and teach things and work through things. You understand that as we were talking about 
uh, in this perilous times that in the verses preceding or before uh, we get to that portion where Paul is writing to Timothy that he's also talking about being apt to teach, right? And he's talking about how we're to be long-suffering and, and all those things because he understood that to teach is to what? To teach must always come from the scripture, right? So if we're apt to teach, we should be thinking and our mind should be thinking about the scripture. And so when we see somebody do something that we wouldn't do and then we want to correct it, we must first stop and say, well, is this person doing what they're doing by the word of God or is it just something that we have assigned that they should not do? Everybody's not got to the place that you are in life, right? So here's what I want to try to deal with this morning if the Lord would help us. We've talked about separation. Then we've talked about self-righteousness. And if we're not careful, I don't believe that we've preached in a manner that would muddy the water, but I believe what we need to do is clarify where that line is at. We need to look at some examples and think about where that line is at. How does one understand when we should speak and when we should keep our mouth shut? When does one know when we should deal with something and when we should not? Now, you'll find that this is a matter of discernment. And discernment comes with spiritual things. And you'll also find that it wouldn't be appropriate for my little girl to call down Brother Shane or Sister Pam. Why? She's a little girl. She's a little girl. They have some age on her. They've lived some life. And so if there was a problem in Brother Shane's life or Sister Pam's life that wasn't right with the scripture, it probably wouldn't be in my girl's best interest to go over and correct Brother Shane and Sister Pam. What should happen though, it should be channeled through an appropriate channel. You understand what I'm saying? And so we'll find that as, as uh, discernment is something that comes as one grows in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior. It probably wouldn't be in someone's best interest that's been saved just a few months to go up to somebody that's been saved for 30 years and start wearing them out, you know. And uh, of course, I understand that the Bible's the Bible no matter what. But a problem with discernment is not... Everybody can take that, what they don't have, and utilize it in an appropriate manner. You cannot make application with something if you don't have the appropriate interpretation. And I assure you, somebody that's just been saved by the grace of God does not have all the appropriate interpretation of the Scripture. And how do you know that? Well, from experience, number one, I used to like to preach on things that I didn't understand the appropriate interpretation and made a lot of application when I first got started to a lot of people that really, was by grace of God, didn't wring my neck, amen. And so what I'm saying here is we gotta consider this, these things. And so the Bible says here in uh, Proverbs chapter number 29, verse number 11, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Now I want you to notice that word afterwards. What's that mean? That means, Brother Marvin, you may know something and, just, and you may understand the outcome of what's fixing to happen. But it may not be that you're benefiting anyone or anybody by opening your mouth. Because somebody has already got it figured out and they're not open to hear what it is that you have to say. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't say it. Jeremiah preached and preached and preached and preached what thus saith the Lord and people did not yield. God's people did not yield. We're not saying that you do not preach the Bible because people are not going to listen. But what I'm saying is that a fool uttereth all his mind. Sometimes we have to get to the place where we realize that experience is going to supersede that which is being taught. Someone's not going to hear or they, they don't have the ability to hear. 
You may say something to somebody, Brother Marvin, that they honestly do not have the ability to comprehend it because they've not been taught the things that bring them up to that place of understanding. It's like trying to sit down and teach algebra to a third grader until that third grader goes through third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade and works themselves up through that ability to retain the knowledge that's given them. Some things are going to go right over their head. And so sometimes you can deal with something, with someone that's going right over their head. They don't understand the concepts of why you are telling them what you're telling them in haste and in your ability to try to jerk them back in the right direction. And I, I, don't, I certainly don't want to pick on my grandmother. She's going to be with the Lord and I, I love her. But I've told you before, my, my papa was a little more of a soft-spoken person and my grandmother was a little bit more of the spicy type. And I, she loved the Lord and she taught us to respect the house of God and she taught us to respect the, the Bible and that she believed in respecting the preacher and she wasn't a disrespectful person. But my mamaw failed to understand that not everybody was raised in the kind of home that we were raised in. As a matter of fact, my grandmother had to give up her teaching career because she smacked a kid out of the desk for saying something that kid shouldn't say after she warned him not to. She did not put up with nonsense. And so what I'm saying is she believed in things being handled in an appropriate way. But she failed sometimes to understand that there was people that wasn't raised that way. And so she didn't have a lot of patience in that area. And they had a preacher one time that brought in some, uh, got, got really and truly got a heart for the local community. And uh, that community in which they lived in had a lot of poverty in it. And uh, so they would try to take, uh, take a, my papa would drive a church van a little bit and he'd pick up some kids. And that one time it really began to take off and they would get, you know, 10, 15 kids coming at a time. And, and man, I never forget, there was a little kid one time took off running in the sanctuary and I've never felt so sorry in all my life for that little child. My grandmother bit that kid's head off and spit it back out and, and ruined, ruined. Anything that kid had for that church or the Lord, that kid did not understand, did not know, had not been raised. Was my grandmother wrong in her expectation? Well, I wouldn't have run in church. I was taught better. And my grandmother wouldn't have run in church. It's the house of God. We were taught to respect it. But when I said what I said on Wednesday night about us defending God and how Peter cut the ear off of, of Malchus because they had come to arrest Jesus. Jesus did not need Peter to defend, Mal to defend Jesus. Jesus told Peter, I've got, I've got angels, uh, 12 legions of angels that can come and help me anytime I call on them. I don't need you, Peter. And here's what I'm saying. Sometimes my grandmother, in her respect for God's house and her respect for the Lord, she's going to teach that little kid some respect. But that little kid didn't know any better. And that little kid wasn't disrespecting God. God understood the motivation of the little kid's heart. The little kid was just happy to be in God's house. Does that mean we shouldn't teach that child not to run in church? That does not mean that. It means though there's a chain of events and an appropriate way to bring a child up to that level so that when it reaches maturity, it knows not to run in church. And so I guess that's just kind of my heart. We want to, we want to define these things. Are we to be separated from sin? Yes. Are we to, to respect God? Yes. Are we to love him? Yes. Are we to, to, to do all that we do heartily as unto the Lord? Absolutely. 
But we need to understand today that we are hurting people sometimes when we have a knee-jerk reaction on how to deal with people that don't know the things that maybe we understand. And so we're just going to pull them in the right direction for the sake, for God, for the sake of God. God doesn't need us to do that. Amen. God never told, matter of fact, God never gave us the authority to do that. We are not policemen for Jesus. We don't wear a holy badge. We're just sinners saved by grace who by that Bible love people and take them through what thus saith the Lord and teach them how to respect and love the Lord. You legislate righteousness when you do that. Now, how do we we deal with sin? Sin is rebellion in the house of God. That one that was uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number five that was living in gross immoral sin and the church wouldn't deal with it yet they were puffed up and uh, just continued to go on as business as usual. They were not dealing with rebellion. There's a vast difference between rebellion and just not knowing any better. A vast difference. And so there's a, there's a fine line today, friend, between self-righteousness and separation. And essentially one must be balanced in that. And here's what scares me. I find, Brother Marvin, that in my Christian life, I have found that a lot of my Christian life has been lived being unbalanced. Now, do you know what happens to a car that has a wheel that's unbalanced as it travels down the road? That thing shimmies and it shakes and it's harder to keep it in the road. It's hard to keep it out of the ditch when it's unbalanced. And it's hard to, to, you cannot move the vehicle at the same speed that you could if it was balanced. If you continue to drive unbalanced, your car will fall apart. It's not designed to shake and jerk all day long. And so that's what happens to the Christian life. When we get unbalanced or we try to continue in an unbalanced way, we find that our lives become unstable. It's James that said, what? A double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways. Have you ever noticed some of the most harshest and hard-nosed legal pharisaical uh, people are the ones that wind up falling off the wagon and when they do, they go into gross immoral sin. And can I say to you, it's harder to get them back than it is the one that just fell, uh, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. You know, it's like that legalist, that hard-nosed, the one that just is on everybody all the time, that pharisaical one. When they get in sin, they go far left and they never come back hardly. Do you know why? Because they viewed their own self as a hypocrite. And the very things that they believed in, they can't listen to somebody else talk to them about separation because they viewed their own life as hypocritical. You know what happens? There's no grace there. We forget sometimes what we preached on Wednesday night about Peter. How the Lord looked at Peter and told Peter to come. Peter, they, all the disciples went with Jesus when he went to pray prior to his being crucified and being arrested. But he told Peter, James, and John to come with him a little bit further. Right after he looked at Peter, knowing that Peter was going to deny the Lord, and then Peter wouldn't even listen to what the Lord was saying. Because he had so much faith in himself. He had so much faith in his ability. And we've preached that our righteousness is nothing. He doesn't need our ability. What What is he looking for? He's looking for our heart. He's looking for our heart, for our heart is the only thing that mattered. 
See, I believe that when he looked at Peter, he looked at Peter knowing that Peter meant well. He was just ignorant. But he was also able to look and know that Peter was going to weep bitterly. He was also going to know that Peter was going to realize that he was wrong and Peter was going to get his heart right and Peter was going to go on and do the very things that Peter thought he could do first that he was not going to be able to do. So I consider this matter of separation and this matter of self-righteousness. And you know, I I thought about a person that's living uh, holy a person that's trying to live right, that's doing it because they think they have achieved something or they have arrived at a certain place in their life, when they have this sudden realization that they've denied the Lord thrice, Brother Marvin, after they were so sure of themselves that they would not, to find that they were not able to do what they thought they could do, makes them suddenly believe that no one can do it because if I can't do it with the heart that I had, nobody can. So then that they don't repent of their sin and then when somebody comes along and 10, 15 years down the road and witnesses to them and it wants to talk to them about how their family life has gone into utter destruction or how their grandchildren are gonna to go to hell if they don't get them in church and they act like that what they're doing is okay because they learned that they couldn't live for God and if they can't live for God, nobody can live for God and so suddenly you and I are just hypocrites. They don't understand grace. They don't understand grace. I I wanna say to you this morning, I am just here by grace. I am just saved by grace. I'm just doing what I do because of grace. I thank the Lord for his goodness and for his marvelous grace. And so... We find a lot of times that we wobble on the shaft because we, we, we're either liberal and, and don't know or don't care and then the Lord gets a hold of us and we have a zeal that nobody can stop. We're just going to go for God and we run so far hard this way that we suddenly lose our heart for those that live this way. And then there's no middle of the road. And can I say to you, being all the way over in this ditch is just as bad as being all the way over here in this ditch. But you'll never get anybody out of this ditch if you're riding along in this ditch. You understand what I'm saying to you? People are looking for some help today, but they need need somebody to come along and help them. And if you're you're riding the ditch, you're not going to get them out of the ditch. But a fool uttereth all of his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Afterwards of what? That means something's going to happen, Brother Marvin. Afterwards means something's fixing to transpire. You see it, but you can't do anything about it. I want you to know something this morning. A lot of us see some things. A lot of us are aware of some things. Why? Because some of us have experienced the things that we're witnessing others fixing to experience. But you don't have that ability to say enough to help them. What, 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 what is this Bible? A fool uttereth all of his mind. The Lord's not looking for us to give of our mind. Sometimes, sometimes we try to talk and we try to help and we try to, to give our heart and our experiences. Stay with the Bible. Stay with the Bible. Preach the Bible, teach the Bible, show the Bible. 
And understand that at a certain point, friend, when they're that turned off from the word of God, if they're turned off from the word of God, there's not anything you're going to be able to impart to them that's going to help them any further than that. And so the Holy Spirit has to do the work. And so the, a fool uttereth all of his mind. It doesn't mean that, that you're a fool if you speak to somebody. It doesn't mean that you're a fool if you speak to them from the heart. It means sometimes you're foolish if you continue to puke things out of your mind. Just knowing it doesn't, doesn't do anything. Sometimes you need to withdraw. Sometimes you need to step back. Sometimes you need to know that it's better off for you to be quiet and go ahead and let the Lord do what the Lord's doing than to continue on and to continue on and to continue on. My grandmother loved the Lord, but she was foolish by opening her mouth and saying what was truly correct. Was it, was it right for it to be running in God's house and being rambunctious and crazy and wild and, and silly in a place that we've set aside to worship God in? No, it was disrespectful. But it was foolish for her to say what she said in the circumstances that she was in. And so here's what I'm saying to us. Sometimes we may know right. We may do right. But we see somebody do something that we wouldn't do and we're ready to... Handle up on it. That's wrong. That's wrong because you're not dealing with somebody that's being a rebel. You're dealing with somebody that's just being young and immature and ignorant to the things of the Bible. That's why Paul said separation, separation, separation. Deal with sin, deal with sin, deal with sin. But be apt to teach, be long-suffering, be patient. Why? Patience means there's going to be an endurance. You're going to have to endure you realize that growing and learning and, and, and understanding takes a long time. Even the Bible says it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Listen, I've preached things since I've been here. I'll have to address again, Brother Marvin, because the Lord knows that you're gonna need it somewhere in the future because you probably didn't get everything out of it you needed the first time today, friend. And so what are you saying? I'm saying line by line, precept by precept, here a little and there a little. A little plus a little plus a little becomes more, amen? We're, we're adding on to this little bit. A little here and a little there and a little more down the road becomes a whole lot more as an end result. And sometimes how quick we are just to expect people to know. Listen, there's, there's some upbringing that you and I have been privileged to have that the vast majority of people, if we get them down here to house, the house of God and pre give an opportunity to preach to them, friend, they're just going to be clueless. And if you're going to be a spiritual policeman today and wear a badge, a holy badge, and, and, and you're going to handle everything that's just not exactly perfect in God's house, you might as well pack her up and go to the house, friend, because you're running in the wrong ditch too. We got to be careful we got to be careful how we do this. Because you do understand here that a fool uttereth all of his mind. A fool is somebody that don't have it together. A fool is somebody that don't understand. You may have it in your mind what ought to be and what should be, but how you do it and how you deal with it makes you a fool. That makes you void of understanding. Isn't it amazing that you can understand and know what that Bible says and still be a man void of understanding? What? How's that? By how we portray it. Well, it was Jesus that eat with sinners. Wasn't it? How could Jesus eat with sinners? Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
It's the church that's living in gross immoral sin that's rebelling against God that Paul said not to eat with. We ought to put our humble pie, we ought to eat humble pie every once in a while and sit down with somebody that we know is, is lost and on their way to hell or, or maybe somebody down here on the side of the road holding a sign says need work or something. Stop talking to them about the Lord. Get, have an opportunity to speak to them. Tell them about the Lord. Their lives are wrecked. They're living like hell. They're heathen, but they need Jesus, amen. And Jesus didn't only come to seek and to save them that was lost. He sat down and ate with them too, friend. I don't believe he chewed on them by the way they held their fork or whether they eat just right or if they had their napkin on their lap or if they act like the heathens at the table. He just sat down and ate with them. We need to be separatists today. We need to be so much, so, so much of a separatist that it stands out in a lost and dying world. God help us never to be that one that offends now the Bible, and I'm not trying to re-preach what I preached on Wednesday night, but the Bible talked about offending that little child that believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. It'd be better that we have a millstone hung about our neck and drowned, friend, in the sea. And we talked about offending. And we talk about offense. And we, we, we have a generation today that don't want to preach the Bible because the Bible offends. The Bible will offend. And the Bible should cause someone to see their need for a savior and make them understand they're lost and undone. But the Bible does it, not you and me. We preach the Bible. But a thing also, uh, Brother Shane, Brother Marvin, is to shock or to wound. And, and as the Lord began to just deal with me in these scriptures, I remember even as a child, knowing that that little child was wounded in that church. Knowing that, it, knowing that little child was wounded. Can I say to you, it, I, my papa was a real country and real abrasive and kind of rough around the edges, but you know, I don't know anybody that didn't love him. I mean, everybody loved him. And, and them kids, and he was loud by nature. I mean, he just, just in voice, just loud. I mean, you know, babies would cry when they'd he'd get around because he, 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 he was just loud. But people loved him. Kids loved him. My grandmother, they'd run the other way. They really would. And the thing about it is, my grandmother loved the Lord, loved Jesus, was good to us. But they would run the other way because she had something about her personality that caused children to want to flee up to a certain age. Now, when they got old enough to understand, it wasn't a big deal. I was scared of her for a long time. But I was as close to her as anybody in my life when I hit my teenage years and really began to understand her. Let me tell you something. There's a, there's a lost and dying world that's not going to stay around you long enough to understand you. Right. Listen to me. Brother Shane, you understand me. You've been around me for the most part. Brother Marvin, I've talked to you enough. I've talked to Brother Shane. I've talked to Brother Gene. You kind of know me. I kind of know you. I kind of know your personality a little bit. You know, we know each other. We kind of understand each other's personality. And can I say because of that, Brother Marvin... I can take into account maybe your personality. You and I have talked about things. And you'll even make a comment sometimes, well, you just know how I am. Or I'll say, well, you know how I am. And because I know how you are and you know how I am, we overlook some things. Guess what? That ain't going to cut it when we deal with the lost and dying world. That's not going to cut it. We might be down in a prayer room one of these days, and I'm just throwing some examples out here. We might be down in a prayer room one of these days and be dealing with something. They might be four or five people lost down in that prayer room. 
They ain't gonna understand the things that maybe me and you understand about one another. You know what we gotta do? We gotta take that into consideration. We're gonna have to act like Christians and, and, and understand that the things that you and I say is okay about us isn't okay about us. Oh, that's just the way I am. Well, tough, get over it. It's not gonna cut it. It's just the way you are. Well, tough, get over it. We're gonna have to work on it. We are going to have to work on it. We have got to work on it because our nature is such that we run people or scare people or shock people by the way we say or do things sometimes. What is, what is offend? This definition now is not used when we consider the word offend a lot of times. But 1828, Noah Webster's 1828 says shock or to wound. That's the definition of offend. Do you know what shock is? Shock is surprise. Shock is surprise. It's to be caught off guard, not to be expecting it. What's that, what's that a picture of? Just not knowing. I expect certain things from Brother Marvin when I talk to him and he does me too. I expect certain things about Brother Shane. Brother Shane expects certain things of me because we know one another. I'm not shocked and you're not shocked and you're not shocked when we talk. But I'll be honest with you, there's sometimes if we were dealing with that business with somebody else, I'd have to be more careful to deal with it because that other person would be shocked maybe by something that we say or do or how we act. Now, look at Proverbs 18 with me for just a minute. Proverbs chapter 18. And I just pray for us this morning. We're just trying to give you our heart. Lord, just... Wouldn't leave us alone about these verses of scripture. Proverbs 18 and verse number 13. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Now, when we look at this verse of scripture, it would be, it could be utilized like this. If Brother Shane and I were in a conversation and Brother Shane was wanting to relay to me some important information. And I assumed that I knew what he was talking about before he finished his sentence. And I interrupted what he was saying to go ahead and give him the response. Us men are real bad about doing that to our wives, amen. I assume that I know what he's talking about and go ahead and I'm really not listening to the remainder of what he's saying. I'm just forming my response. And I formed my response and I began to overrun his his incoming conversation with my response only to find out that my response did not have anything to do with what he said because he wasn't even going the direction that I thought he was going and if I'd have shut my mouth and opened my ears and allowed him the privilege to finish what he was saying I would have known to respond differently or I might find out that I didn't even know how to respond because I didn't know nothing about what he was telling me but it's more than just that it's, it's, it goes a little deeper than just that. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it. That is likened unto one that thinks they understand something that they do not understand. And sometimes you and I, if we have that reaction to correct something, in this idea that we're going to defend God, we are handling something that we fully do not understand you'll find that there will be times when we have adults in God's house that deal or do or act a certain way in God's house that you and I would not act that way. And we by nature would automatically want to correct it. 
And I want to caution you there, and let me remind you while we're on this, while we're on this subject and discussing this, it's not our job to wear a spiritual badge. But the man of God that's over that local assembly is trying to teach and he sees things sometimes that others in the church may feel like need to be corrected and it looks like the preacher won't correct it but the preacher's dealing with it and being long-suffering but he's apt to teach and he's handling it. He just hasn't reported it to you quite yet. And when you get that attitude, you think, well, the preacher ain't going to deal with it. I will, or it needs to be dealt with, and I don't know why the preacher won't deal with it. And instead of calling the preacher, you call 15 other people in the congregation, and you'll discuss it for three weeks. But you never think to pick up the phone and ask the preacher about it. Now you say, oh, the preacher's whipping this morning. I'm not whipping. I'm not whipping. I'm expressing to us and teaching us how we are as individuals sometimes. And it just so happens that I believe everybody here this morning saved and the kind of people that want to be at church on a regular basis. So this is just a good time to preach and deal with these types of things. I probably wouldn't preach like this if I had four or five lost people in the congregation this morning. And I ain't 100% sure that I'll leave this on the internet for the long term, okay? But what I'm saying to you is we got to be careful. We got to be careful. It's easy to get crossed up. Now, for, I ain't always been a pastor. I assure you one thing. The next time I have to sit under one, I'll think about him a whole lot differently than I did before I started pastoring. Now, I always loved my pastors, and I always tried to support them, and if we went out to eat, I tried to take care of them. I mean, I was always particular about loving and praying and trying to, to take care of my pastor. But I was a little hypocritical over some things sometimes that I should not have been because I didn't see him handling something that him and God was working out in his study time and his, in his office, and really I ought to have kept my mouth shut. Or if I had any doubts, I should have called him and talked to him about it. Now, a lot of times the reason people won't call and talk to you about it is because you're going to ask him something that ain't none of your business anyway. And you don't want him to tell you that, so it's easier to talk to 15 other people to find out what you want to know without having to be told that it ain't none of your business. But the truth of the matter is, too, if a pastor wants to be after to teach, he'll help you the same as he is helping the person that's in the situation. So what I'm saying to you is this, we'll be better served as a church this morning if we slowly deal with things that we see happening in the church. And should you as a parishioner or a lay member or a church member see something that you think needs to be handled? You wouldn't be wrong for coming to the preacher and talking to the preacher about it, but you would be wrong to take that person and deal with it on your own accord when it ain't your place to do so. And I want you to know sometimes it happens and you don't even know it happens. You could be guilty of doing it yourself and not even realize that you're doing it because I've done it. I've seen it. I've handled things before. And, and listen, don't get me wrong, if my kid's running down the parking lot and she's fixing to run into the road, I grab her up by the hair of the head if you have to to keep her from getting run over. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we don't have to cut the ears off of Malchus to defend God. Because God can defend himself. God is such a God that he took us who was destined for hell, brought us up out of the horrible pit in the miry clay and set our feet upon a rock and he established our goings. We didn't. I did not establish where I'm at today. He did. And everything I am today, I am because of the things that he's given me to allow me to become what I am. I'm not self-made, but sometimes we think we are. We look at ourself in, in sometimes and we feel proud of ourselves. For, for, uh, we feel like, we, now listen, here's the thing. None of us have ever arrived, right, to perfection. 
We don't preach perfection at this church because the Bible doesn't preach perfection. I won't be perfect till I get in the portals of glory, till I have my glorified body, till I'm with the Lord Jesus Christ, till this robe of flesh drops. But here's what happens is when we judge somebody by that book, we understand they've not arrived, but we haven't either. But when I judge Brother Marvin by my standards, he hasn't arrived to my standards. But I've achieved that standard. Marvin has yet to achieve my standard. I, I can't possibly think Marvin is right with God until Marvin at least gets up here where I'm at. But Lord help, if Marvin never surpasses me, then Marvin's self-righteous. You know, as long as people are under us, they, they're not living right. But when they get sanctified and surpass us in their willingness to live a holy life, then we look at them as if they're self-righteous. You know what we are? Polyhypocrites. That's why I tell people that. I won't go down to that church with that pile of hypocrites. Come on, one more ain't going to hurt nothing. But it's good to admit it and say, well, we need to fix it, and this is where we're at, and this is what we need to do. Well, I tell you what, when you start looking at the Bible, it can't all be grace, but bless the Lord, it can't always be, it can't always be separation either. Now, we never say that separation goes away. We never change our stand on separation. But we sure better be willing to extend some grace because I've told more than one preacher in my life, listen, I've talked to Brother Cooley. I told Brother Jeremiah and I told Brother Ben Cooley both the same thing that I'm fixing to say to you. I am, I, I am where I'm at today through some of their ministry. Now, not everything, the Lord, but what I'm saying to you is them boys were line-on-line expositors of the word of God. And here's what I, I grew up in church, you know, where you, you kind of have this mindset where just grab a text and go with it, you know. Don't have notes and don't write no notes. Just let the Lord lead you. Well, that's just like saying I'm lazy and don't want to study my Bible, so we'll just let the Lord. And the thing is, you never get no growth out of that. You get a lot of hollering and a lot of spitting and a lot of saying the same things every service. I can take you to preachers right now that I heard in 2013 and this morning they're preaching the same thing they did in 2013 and it'd just be like living it over again for me. But what happens is, is when you start taking the Bible line by line and start breaking down what the scripture said, you can start to grow. And what happened was I was in a church that would preach the same things over and over and over again and I thought it was good. It was good for the spiritual level that I was at but the problem is I began to get stagnant. And then I had some preachers that come along that would preach the Bible line by line, word by word and expose what thus saith the Lord God and it caused me to grow. And so Brother Ben Cooley and Brother Jeremiah Cooley and men like that that would preach. I had a, a Brother Wes Strickland preached our revival last year. I'll never forget being in Brother Wes Strickland's Sunday school class in a church that me and him went to together. And Brother Wes was starting in the book of Hebrews and he would, he would start in chapter number one and he'd go verse by verse by verse. And I don't know how many months, I, it was over a year, could be close to two years, I don't remember that he went through the book of Hebrews. And man, I just sat in that Sunday school class and just got fat on the word of God. Just began to write notes and take notes and I began to learn and the Lord began to show me that if you'll just take the Bible, that Bible will help you grow. And so I began to read the Bible and start understanding what God thought about some things, not what man said. And it changed my life. And I had to go back to some preachers that I thought weren't really good preachers because they didn't spit like the other guy did. And they didn't holler like he did. 
And they didn't kick their shoes off like he did. I've seen it all, friend. I've seen them run the tops of the pews down through there. I have. I've watched all kinds of stuff. But what are you saying? I just didn't think they were spiritual. Oh, they were spiritual because they were preaching what thus saith the Lord. And it changed me. And so preachers that I probably would have looked down my nose upon when I was a young, young uh, saved Christian and freshly called into the ministry, I had to go back and tell them I was sorry. Because in all honesty, they helped make me, the word of God did it, but that's what preachers are for. They preached the Bible and it changed me. And I told them, I said, men, I said, I, I love you. I thank the Lord for you. I'm praying for you and I appreciate, I appreciate how you invested in my life when you didn't even realize that you were doing it simply by doing what? What God called them to do. We get caught up in the mannerisms of things. We get caught up in the personality of a preacher. We just need somebody to expose the holy written word of God. And the word of God will begin to change your life. But this is what I told him. I said, I was a recipient of a lot of grace. I don't ever remember Brother Ben or Brother Jeremiah ever dragging me out by the hair of the head and whipping me for some of the dumb things that I said as a young preacher. I don't remember that. But I do remember them going ahead and preaching what thus saith the Lord even when I thought they weren't doing much preaching. And it ended up that that kind of stuff's what changed my life and actually got me kicked in gear and got my family moving in the right direction for the glory and for the honor of God. No, I'm not a theologian, but I sure ain't what I was when I first got called into the ministry. You all would have pulled your hair out and had me taken outside and beat for some of the things and the mannerisms that I had. And man, I look back on that now and I'll just be honest with you, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I got a CD down there at the house somewhere. I think it was my second or third message. I won't listen to it. I really won't. It, I, 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 guess, I look at that and I thought, I'll listen to that. And I thought, no, I won't neither. I just can't bring myself to do it because I know what's in that mess. I know what's in that mess, but I know where the Lord brought me. I know what he done for me. And I'm a recipient of grace. Now, was I, what, did, they, did they compromise? No. They preached it. They preached separation. They preached what thus saith the Lord. They said it just like it was. You won't find two men that's more separated than Ben Cooley and Jeremiah Cooley. But I'll tell you this much. There was some grace extended to me. And it helped me. And they did not wound me. You can take some people that's young in their spiritual life and wound them to the point that it, 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 it destroys them. So we have to handle those things with care. Can I say this? We don't have to tell everything we know. The Bible says here that, uh, well, let me find out where my verse is at. Verse 13 says, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and a shame in him. There's a lack of understanding there. Some things don't have to be said. Go with me to Proverbs 26 and 22. I know this is different this morning, but it's all right. Proverbs 26 and 22 says the words of a talebearer are his wounds. And they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Now, you realize just because you know something don't mean you have to say it either. There's times that you can know something about somebody that's not really good. But it's not going to benefit you to go tell everybody about it. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's some people that could have been telling the truth about old Aaron Caldwell here, 
for some of the things I said when I was just started out in the ministry. And I won't, I'm not going to lie to you. I said things and done things that if I was the pastor here and had a young man that come in and done and said the things that I did, I would have to help him. I'd have to talk to him. But I tell you what it's easy to do. It's easy to get on the phone, Brother Shane, and call up every preacher in the community and run that fellow down. Now, I've had a few instances at this church since I've been the pastor that some preachers have said some things that I did not appreciate. And to be honest with you, it would not be right for me to have run around and just blasted them all over the world. Now, if you can't tell the preacher that done wrong that he done wrong, you sure ain't got no business telling nobody else. You'll find that a lot of preachers, a lot of people that are young in Christ will appreciate you helping them as long as you can help them by that King James Bible. When you can take them to a verse of scripture, a principle in the word of God and say, listen here, Brother Caldwell, I believe you got this wrong and this is what the scripture is saying. You'll find sometimes some preachers say things on accident that they don't even mean to say that they even know better. They'll get tongue-tied or crossed up in what they're thinking and mix up a word or something. What are you saying? I'm saying grace. Are we compromising? No. We're never compromising by moving away. I mean, we're never compromising by sticking with this book, but yet having a little grace to help people learn. Now, when you get that hard-nosed young man that, that don't know how to preach, that stands up and says some of the stupidest things under the sun and you take him to the word of God and you show him in the Bible what the Bible says and he sticks his nose up in there at you and says a few mean things to you and decides he's not going to listen to what you've got to say, then you might ought to warn the preachers that's got churches around in your community not to use that young man because that young man's going to come in their church and cause problems. I've got a preacher to this very day. If I ever run into him, I'm going to have to sit down and talk to him. Really am going to have to sit down and talk to him. And, and, and explain to him some things that I know I said when I was at his church when he wasn't there from the pulpit that I, I, I'm sorry. I know that he knows I'm sorry. I know he knows I ain't the same preacher he used to be, but I need to tell him. I need to sit down and talk to him. What are you saying? I'm saying that, that there's a time to say something and a time not to, but a fool uttereth all his mind. Have you ever thought of something that you'd like to say, but the Holy Spirit just wouldn't let you say it? Now what happens is when we, when we say something in haste, we don't stop to ask the Holy Spirit what he thinks about it. And so a lot of times we'll deal with things in the church. Now here's what I, here's what I was trying to get at, and I'll be done. We look over here at the church of Philippi, and we were talking about those two women that had contention with one another. They helped Paul start the work at Philippi. They were people that loved the Lord and served the Lord, yet they got crossed up. We mentioned that no matter what church it is, there's always going to be something somewhere that could stand to be fixed. If you spend your whole life and your whole time devoting all your time to fixing something that God's working on, you're going to foul up. Paul says, don't be puffed up and allow sin to go unchecked as if everything's okay. When rebellion is in this, in this place amongst our people, we have to deal with it, call it out, bring it out in the open and deal with it before the church sometimes. But a fool uttereth all his mind. Some things don't have to be said. You, you, sometimes we don't give any room for grace because we say too much too soon. And we don't need to do that. 
And so here's what I, here's what I want to deal with, and, I, and, I, and I'm done. I'm done. I'm done this morning. It's just my heart. We'll move on from this. We dealt a long time, several, several services on separation. And I'm a separatist, and you should be. And I, I hope that your home isn't compromised. I hope that your life isn't compromised. I hope that you understand the importance of being separated, not just from some things, but unto the Lord. When you separate from things, but you don't separate to the Lord, then you become self-righteous. When you only separate from some things for the sake of saying, I separated from some things, then you're self-righteous. There's a lot of people today, this is why, listen to me now, this is why a lot of your youth are separated up through their childhood, but as soon as they get on their own, they're as liberal as anything. You know why? They were never separated unto anything. They were never taught what separation is for, what separation does, the glory that you bring to God by living that life. They're just demanded to do something a certain way. And then because they don't see the value in it, the first chance they get to get out of that oppression, because you understand to be separated from something and not to be separated to anything is oppression. It's not freedom. Separating from some things of this world, understanding what it does to your life, but being separated unto God, that is freedom. But to separate from some things, not to be separated unto God, is chains. And it's to be bound. And there's some kids that just cannot wait to be unbound from it. They're only doing what they're doing because they're made to. Now to teach the word of God and to have somebody that's doing something in the church that is wrong by the scripture, yet they don't, that's rebellion. You must deal with it. But you also need to understand that the Lord all through the scripture considers the heart. And when he looks at Peter, he looks at Peter going, ignorant Peter's opening his mouth when he ought to keep it shut. But he still could look into the heart of Peter and know that Peter would, would lay down his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. It come through a progression. It come from thinking I'll do it because I love you so much but not able to, failing the Lord, weeping because of what he done, realizing that he wasn't what he thought he was. Can I say some of us can get saved and separated but still need to be taught that we're not what we think we are. And most of the time, it comes through failure. But if you really love the Lord, you'll weep like Peter did. You'll sorrow. You'll pick yourself back up, and you'll go on. And the Lord can help you do more the second time than you did the first time. So I believe that we must consider the line between self-righteousness and separation. And while separation is right and while separation is good and while separation is important because you and I are to let our light so shine that the world may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But we should also be at such that the world, I want somebody that's, that, that doesn't know something. I want our church to be conducive to taking somebody that doesn't know something and them not being ashamed to come and ask us for fear that we're going to breathe fire down their throat for even questioning what it is that they want to bring to us. That's what progression is. Listen, I look at my one, my one life and I look at what the Lord done, that, that potter's wheel that he had me on 
how he's molded and shaped me and broke me back down and worked on me some more and, and formed me again and continued to work. And I think about that progression. And then I ask myself what it looked like in this local assembly if we had ten just like me. Ten just like me would put gray hairs on my head. Ten, ten church members just like I was will put gray hairs on my head. But understand something. There was a progression. And a lot of preachers get caught up in what their church looks like to somebody else. You better be careful about doing that too. I don't give two hoots what somebody thinks my church looks like. I want, if I could put 25 in here today that just loved the Lord but was dumb as a box of rocks and just needed to learn, I'd say bring them to me, Lord, and drop them off. We're willing to work with them right here. This needs to be a hospital. This needs to be a hospital. There's a lot of churches don't want wounded people. They don't want hurt people. They don't want people that need to grow. They don't want people that need something. They want ready-made, a lot of preachers want ready-made churches with ready-made parishioners. And all that is is a joke. There's no such thing. I'm looking for families that are hurting, for children that don't know, for wives that need husbands to be more, more like God, for husbands that's got wives that need to be more like God. That's what we're here for. And you'll hear some people, friend, that'll act like they won't go to this church or that church. Ah, you should have seen what that lady had on in there. Or you should have seen what he looked like in there. And they're judging the church based on that one that's in Maybe the church is a hospital who reached their hand out to somebody that needed some help. Listen to me. You ain't got to look like I do for me to help you. If somebody has to look like you and talk like you and act like you for you to give them the time of day, friend, you are a self-righteous, no good for nothing. Jesus didn't demand that I look like Jesus before he helped me. And we don't have to demand that somebody walk and talk and look like Jesus before we help them. Because, friend, you don't look enough like Jesus sometimes. All the time. I don't look enough like Jesus. What are you doing? I'm trying to look like him, but I'm also trying to help others look like him. So we must do one thing this morning. We must not judge someone else by us. They don't, they don't do what I do. They don't say what I say. They don't act like I They don't dress like I dress. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you. These folk that need some help sometimes with the way they dress. But you know what we do? Apt to teach. What's that Bible say? Don't compare them by how you dress. Compare them by what the Lord's book says about the dress. Because after all, we're not trying to make them holy unto Aaron. We're trying to make them holy unto the Lord. For he is holy. Marvin, you don't live holy because I'm holy. You live holy because the Lord is holy. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes, friend, we're not careful. We just, we just become self-righteous. So here's the deal, and I'm done. Proverbs 29, 11, A fool uttereth all of his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. You may know some things, friend, but sometimes you'd be better served to be quiet until afterwards. What is afterwards? Assign that to anything you want it to be. That can mean all kinds of different situations. It's not wrong sometimes for you to bite your lip and wait on the Lord to give you good, clear direction on how to handle something. Did Peter love the Lord when he cut Malchus's ear off? No doubt. No doubt. Did the Lord need Peter to cut Malchus's ear off? No. Can I say this? Did cutting Malchus's ear off change anything? 
Sometimes we cut the ears off situations and we don't change anything. All we do is cause the blood to fly. The only blood we need at Mount Tabor Baptist Church is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we cause bleeding of any other kind or we share blood of any other kind, we're in trouble. We don't have to bleed people. We have to apply the blood. We have to get the blood to them. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I'm done. I don't want to tax you this morning. I just wanted to get that burden off my heart. I believe this would be a good morning to get that message out to you. All right? And listen, it's my message as much as it is your message. I've had to read it and study it and live it myself, take a census of my own life, and, for, and remember what I am what's been extended to me. But that's the line, friend. We don't stop or back up on separation. But we must have grace to help teach people what they need. Listen, when I got saved, I didn't get it all. When you got saved, Sister come to the piano if you will, play something softly. When I got saved, I didn't get it all. If I had got everything that the Lord intended me to get when I got saved, he took me on home. But I'm still a work in progress, and so are you. How do we know? Well, that's why one of the qualifications to, to a pastor is that he what? He not be a novice. So that means right there that there's a growth pattern. You don't call a preacher that's a pastor that's a novice. That means that somebody has to get from novice to... Listen, I'm not 85 or 90 been in the ministry for 50 or 60 years. I've not arrived. There's going to be things that I learn as I go. We're on a progression. And we're understanding that while we're on a progression, we're helping others to progress as well. You cannot put an 8th grader in a 12th grade class and expect them to teach the 12th grade class anything. We must be through a progression. The Lord's taken us who have already progressed and given us an opportunity to help his flock to progress onward. He did not give us a holy badge and tell us to go around and hurt and defend him on uh, our, for us to, to, to defend him and hurt people for the cause of Christ. We're not hurting people for the cause of Christ. God don't need us to defend. He needs us to teach and to love and to correct. And we've got it backwards today. Sometimes we hurt the ones that do not need to be hurt. Sometimes we... We, we shock those that do not need to be shocked, yet the ones that need to be disciplined in the church, we don't discipline. It's backwards today. There's such thing as church discipline, and we'd be good to understand that. But while we should get the church discipline right, we should get the grace right. And there's some that's apt, needs to be apt, we need to be apt to teach, and there's some that we need to discipline. And if we get the discipline right, those that need to be disciplined, and then we get the grace right, those that need the grace and the help of being out to teach, then, then I believe the Lord would really and truly help us. I don't know what you'll do with the message. Maybe you need to file it away. Just put it in the back of your mind for a later date. Maybe the Lord's shown you something in your own life you need to get straightened out this morning. We're going to pray. If you need to come, this altar is open. You have the opportunity to do that, all right, while she plays.